listening to the 11th Hour, a weekly podcast about Rancid. I'm Sam Melancon from Debacle Records. And I'm Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. Each week we uh, pass back and forth picking a song. We talk about it. We talk about uh, our complicated feelings on, on Rancid. Uh, this week was my pick. And uh, to, to create... Uh, a dialogue on an age-old argument between Brad and myself. <laughs> I picked Tenderloin off of Let's Go. which was released in June of 1994. Uh, the songwriting credits are to Tim and Matt, but um, and production was by Brett, as with all the uh, majority of the records. Brett Gerwitz from Epitaph. Um, let's go with sort of their breakout record right before the big, big record of uh, Now Come the Wolves. Um, this is sort of a very small cut from the beginning quarter of this this very fast but many, many song record. Um, I didn't the, even realize it was the fifth song. Like when you picked it, I was thinking it was towards the end, and then I was like, "Oh man, this is like right at the beginning." Let's go is such a um, I don't know, like an epic. Like it's so long yeah. and and has so many little <laughs> tiny songs. Um, yeah. So the the Tenderloin is a is a kind of perfect encapsulation of early um, Matt Freeman songwriting, and so. I picked it because we a lot of the time when we started talking about Rancid on Twitter back and forth to each other, it was me defending Matt Freeman songs. <laughs> um, Rancid kind of has a to talk about a little about their songwriting style. Rancid has kind of what I would call like in my head is always the Beatles or the Sonic Youth lineup where you kind of have two primary sing- singer songwriters kind of mm. either collaborating or going back and forth. And then a third person who's kind of got this other tone, the Lee Ronaldo, the George Harrison sort of person. And Matt kind of has that same feeling, especially as time goes on. But the thing, the truth of it is, is early on in um, Rance's history, you know, Lars had just joined on this record. And a lot of Let's Go feels like way closer to the first record, the first self-titled record, which was just a trio. And a huge amount of the songwriting was still Matt, like both from a singing perspective and the melody seemed to be coming through the bass more than anywhere else, though that kind of continues through. but that very speedy, um, kind of thrashy sound that that it gets when Matt plays a song, you know, or writes a song, is really a big part of the, what those. In a lot of ways, musically, you could kind of chunk the first two records together because they're very Matt-driven records. Um, mm-hmm. Not that they all all aren't, but you can kind of those those <laughs> feel very similar. And Tenderloin is a very short song. I think the first big Matt song on this record, uh, though there are a series of them. And uh, it, it's a very short song, but it, it's very emblematic of the Matt Freeman sound. It's kind of got this walking, almost bluegrass or um, rockabilly yeah. uh, bass line and sort of very simple uh, chorus. And and the bass is really taking the lead. And of course, we have to talk about Matt's voice. Matt has a very gravelly, <laughs> but almost throaty, like very throaty, almost I hate to use, I mean, what word do you want to use? But it's kind of mucusy, like it's kind of gross. So whenever, 
my friend John, who maybe will be a guest someday, he and I, we grew up together. I mean, well, we didn't grow up together, but we met when we were 13 or 14 and um, had a big rancid phase together. So, And we used to always kind of joke that, yeah, it sounds like he's like gurgling mucus while he's singing. <laughs> God, so gross. Um, but it's yeah you're right you're but not right. but here's the thing is though is not on this song so much and not it's not on w- the first two records as much like he had a He's, little bit it starts happening on black and blue more yes. so yeah. it's like this i can't remember what i'm blanking on what is the second one motorcycle ride is that him yeah um or not anyway but for a long time i didn't even quite realize this was matt singing i thought because it's not that gargly, yeah. He has this sort thing. of upper register thing he'll do at times, and those are always like my favorite moments. Like he'll go a little bit more to be to be probably more technical. I think he goes a little more nasal, goes up a little bit into his head, and it sings from his nose a little bit more. And that, and given the choice, I would actually take, you know, uh, that a well, little bit. And what's on this song? And that's my question, though: is you hear he can do that. And Tenderland's great song, and I, I think the chorus is it's so catchy, and um, yeah, and we can talk about sort of the content of the lyrics a little in a yes. minute. But, but I, it's it's kind of you know we we talked about last time I for the time before about you know the good the things that we think are sort of Tim's good qualities, and then having to reconcile that with some of the bigger issues. So this is like a less serious version of that, but it's like if Matt can sing like this and sound this good why the hell don't you sing like this all the time well i you know the fact that the guy you know all these guys smoke so much you know you just gotta believe a lot of this is they just don't have it in them anymore that's you know and fair although i do i'm a i'm a matt defender and i actually always thought matt was like the one i wanted to get to know the most you know if in a very like if you want to be very teen beat about it you know what i mean like (laughs) you know who's your favorite member of the band you know uh and and i love the Rancid 2000 record, I love it because it brings Matt back into the fold a little bit more. Like, he's not super there in Life Won't Wait from a vocal perspective. And I think he's a nice change of pace, just the way a Lee Ronaldo song can kind of make a Sonic Youth record come come together. I think a Matt right, a song can really add a new texture. That said, there are definitely some Matt songs that are a little hard, and they, you know, some <laughs> of the later stuff gets a little rough for me, for sure. But, yeah. um... But what's so interesting is what making, you know, we've been on Let's Go for the last two weeks, uh, mm-hmm. Let's Go songs, and re-listening to Let's Go a lot, which was always kind of like, to me, it was like the secret good, if you're a super Rancid fan, that's your favorite. Right. And, <laughs> and, and I think a lot of people lump it together with An Outcome the Wolves, but man, it's, does it not sound like Outcome the no, Wolves. It's like a, a more refined version of the first record to me. Exactly. Like, it's a guy, It's like the first record with Lars on it, basically. Right. It's like, if you take exactly. Lars, who... I guess that's a weird way of phrasing that. It is literally the first record with right. Lars on it. <laughs> but it's also the self-titled, but if you sprunk, like sprinkled in Lars, but it's got that kind of speediness, that kind of this, like... Um, it's hard to explain. Their, their songs are a lot more, like, chords sliding into each yeah. other really, really fast. And it's kind of got the speed garage sort of thing instead of um, kind of the the clash like let a chord hit and go done it, you know like that's right. the more large yeah, things yeah. that he brings and that mm-hmm. to me that is an outcome of the wolves right, and so it still has that very which I think is very much informed by Matt 
being sort of the primary one of the primary songwriters you know That's throughout that, both those records because he's yeah. got that very sliding up and down arpeggiating through the thing through whatever chord changes they have and i think that creates this more like speedy slidey kind of you know like everything no, kind of is sense. these running up and down the, the fretboard you know right. In, right. in these first two which is all matte in my mind so so yeah like yeah. this is a great kind of encapsulation of that tone that until 2000 the the second self-titled record we kind of lose this side of, of rancid a little bit and they get a little bit more halftime and of course the reggae and the ska comes right, in right. which is pretty much non-apparent on these first two records and um and it, it's kind of an emblematic song it's also an album that's full of these one minute and a half yeah. songs which is uh you know just kind of you don't notice it until you go to look at one song on this album and you realize yeah this album actually is like a bunch of snippets of ideas more than anything else and they're really great ideas but like in a lot a lot of ways like the i the songs are almost these little sweets yeah. like to me like we talked about radio well, last week, and one thing we didn't talk about was like it's right after nihilism, and they, those two together tell a story. You know what I mean? Right. Of like we had a yep, really nihilistic yep, yep. childhood, and then I found music. You know, and so the, these little chunks of the record, there's like four or five song chunks, to me actually are almost more like song suites than like the actual, you know, individual songs. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, first going back to I, you know, it's funny when I, I always. I never gave Matt, I think, enough credit on the songwriting front for this record or the first record. I always, I mean, I mean, they are Tim records, yeah, primarily, sure. but yeah, it was always like to me. I always thought, oh, okay, well, out come the wolves and, you know, life. Well, that was just Lars becoming more integrated and more part, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and those, and that's obviously true. But um, yeah, I, Matt does deserve way more credit for. Yeah, that, what like, kind of makes this you know this record and the first record less so? I mean, I'm, I'm I like the first record. I'm not a huge fan of the first record, um, but yeah, I mean that's and and especially on this song. I mean, it's it, there's kind of an interesting parallel too. You know, you're talking about the 2000 record and bringing that back. Um, it's these. It's like okay, we have this one idea and we're gonna do it for a minute and a half. Yeah, and it, exactly. <laughs> but it really works because it's you know I mean it the, it works because there's such good ideas you know i mean mm -hmm. if it was um and there's kind of a I, I think that if they try to turn some of these songs into more like outcome the wolves type songs that are two and a half three minutes long it just would oh my god this record would drag so badly <laughs> well i'll hold it for later but you you brought up something that i realized about salvation 100 percent um <laughs> So when we get to salvation, yeah. we'll talk about that. But uh, talking about this song, the, this has this age-old thing that I'm like kind of squicked out by, kind of grossed out by, but also <laughs> it's this age-old white thoughtful yeah. songwriter thing of like white dude taking on a topic that is outside of their own self, you know, like sort of right. uh, prostitutes, w women prostitutes, junkies, trans, you know, yeah. can be part of this, you know. A tender tenderloin in in San Francisco, you know, the tenderloin district right, is very right. like kind of um, shady area, and it's about uh, mostly it's about a prostitute, and as yeah. far as I understand, but it has that classic thing of like finding grittiness in other people's stories, which sometimes is like, oh, that's this nice poetry about other people, 
and sometimes it has this weird judgmental like distance that that and I'm, I'm having a really hard time reading into the song like how judgmental is it versus I was how... gonna, yeah see i didn't take it as that judgmental that was that's kind of interesting so well that's the thing is i think the first part of the lyrics could be yeah like i don't know whose perspective it is because he talks about dehumanizing and you're doing it sort of like you're dehumanizing yourself and like it has a little bit of that like you know save the yeah. prostitute sort of vibe That's and i'm true. like well and then it's kind of got this like i have a really hard time understanding i'd love to know like find some <laughs> examples because in a way it's kind of a yeah we know we're going to hell but like we, we're gonna go have fun you know what i mean like like right. like it has a sort of tone of like the the course is kind of fun and sort of like f- like fighting back against that idea yeah i mean that makes me wonder too the the which I, I should have the lyrics pulled up in front of me. I don't. I had them up earlier. Let me see if I can pull them up really quick because I don't remember them exactly. But the... Um, we're going to hear my loud... Okay. So, yeah, the, like, realize you're dehumanized, you criticize your existence. So, yeah, I mean, is that, like, society at large is, like, dehumanizes Yeah, you? yeah. And so, and it's... I, so yeah i mean i guess i could i would be curious to hear because to me like when i see that i think of that as a society dehumanizes you and but like fuck that like then as the song goes on it's like but that's you know the like you said the chorus kind of sort of pushes back at that i don't know yeah it's kind of trying to own it a little bit and so it's this really interesting thing of like what is really at the heart of this because it's like is it saying don't be judged you know your situations are your own you know like kind of a positive view of all this stuff that you i want to place on it or is it a little bit of that sort of male you know distance and judgment like like that i don't love as much and what the one thing i found i was looking at um live recordings of this and i did find one where lars introduced i was gonna bring that up (laughs) And he says something about like this is about junkies and prostitutes and, and fucking and paying for it or something. Right? Fucking yeah, he says something like fucking and paying for it, and I was like, ooh, that's right. a little judgment. I was like, oh shit. And you know, sometimes you could also just be like, look, there's bad outcomes, yeah. regardless of if it's, there's judgment associated. But it has this weird like Catholic guilt to it, you know. And I I really uh, I, I love the song, you know, like it's a, right. it's a good song. But this is the first time I've been like. I always wondered which end of it this is, well, and I kind of feel like I want to give the benefit of the doubt, but you kind of have to read those lyrics and go, "Yeah, could go either way." Yeah, well, and I mean, think of when it—you know, this was written in the early '90s, and um, yeah, being kind I mean, of glib about this stuff wasn't like right. Yeah, people I, weren't sort sort of as aware of like you know, like sex work, sex workers. Work and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All that stuff, and so. Totally, it, it wouldn't be shocking if it was, and I don't even think it's like the end of the world if it was. And I could, right. you know, but, um, but yeah, that's it. Definitely came to mind once I started really looking into it because I, I will be honest, when I chose the song, I was just like, here's a wonderful Matt song, and it's kind of the, um, it's the it's best kind of Matt the, song if you ask me. But yeah. oh, really? Okay, yeah, like I like I, I, we should have a running tally of like moving the Matt songs up and down. Right. I, <laughs> So we can, far, we can do a Matt. One. We can do a Matt song ranking episode. He'll be a tier list for the Matt songs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
So right now we we only have one on the, right. the tier. Uh, <laughs> and and I want to talk about how catchy it is in a second, but but yeah, I really was taken aback by like, oh, I have to think about this because this is a thing that Tim does, that Matt does, that they all do, where they kind of borrow somebody else's tragedy a little bit, and that's usually fine. I mean, so many yeah. artists have done that. Um, I just kind of had this moment of like, I wonder if this one's one I love or not. Yeah. Um, but well, and is and and it, I don't know. And there's. It, when borrowing someone's tragedy, I think I mean it's a good way to put it, but it's also, it's one thing I guess if you're borrowing someone's tragedy that is uh, maybe adjacent ish to your own life, which this kind of is, I guess. To yeah, some degree. But yeah, also, it's like they don't have any experience being a sex worker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and they, it's you know that's that fine line of empathy versus like yeah, um, yeah. voyeurism, right? You right. know what I mean? Like like tragedy voyeurism, right? And and again, I don't think they're looking at it through these lenses uh, when they're doing it in 1992 or three, you know. Right. Um, and I also really wonder how much this is a. We were kind of talking about it, but I really to put a fine point on it. I wonder if this is a holdover from the first record. Like, I wonder like that. They, yeah. They didn't finish it because it does seem so much like the first record that it's yeah. like a. It's like they finally like got a take they liked, and then whatever <laughs> Lars added, they were like, "Yeah, good." Yeah, and then right, the, yeah. it, you know. Um, but to talk about the song structure, it's like this little, like walking baseline kind of hoedown. I dumb way of talking about it, but you know, kind of this rockabilly walking baseline thing. Well, and I think so. I in the show notes, and I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but it's this like acoustic version of it. That's yeah, yeah, I, I found that one. Um, it that is like super rockabilly, and yeah, the thing that, and I kind of dig it, but but uh, Matt's singing in the more modern times oh yeah, my god and, and, it, and that just throws it all off for me yeah um, but, but i think it, it, it really highlights it, the the yeah i mean i i never had thought about it as much as a rockabilly song until i like i can i, see I what, think a lot of early rancid and in rancid yeah. 2000 is these like basically these rockabilly songs that matt you know is sort of underpinning in his style like his style is basically like the who meets what rockabilly you know what I mean? with a little <laughs> clash in there you know right and so it's such a cool little because of that song structure which is this universal style of song you know um i think it does uh it's so catchy mm-hmm. and i forgot that i had whole periods of my life where this was super stuck in my head and i was mad about it <laughs> and this whole week it's been, it's been because stuck I, in- it's it's the the i and what's funny it's like half the song gets stuck in your head because it's such a short song right like it's a piece of the um pieces of verse and the whole chorus gets stuck in my head and i just go round and round and round almost to a point of obsession and it it really shows like how much that sort of like yeah. simple two chord three chord you know rockabilly structure can just be it's it's kind of like um it's like a nursery rhyme you know what i mean like and and so oh my uh-huh. god it's just burned into my brain and i forgot that that was like a thing that used to happen to me and I'd be like, oh, I got tenderloin <laughs> in my head again. Yeah. And it must have been why my brain was like, oh, we should do tenderloin. Like, why? What does this song mean so much to me? It's like because it's, it's been burned into my. It's just burned into my brain. Yeah, so, right. like, hopefully, we can inflict that on everybody else, and they'll go listen to tenderloin. Yeah, the part that always, the part that always gets stuck in my head. It's from paralyzed by your lack of resistance. To yes. The course. So yeah. I'm gonna put that in the podcast like right yeah. now to torture people. <laughs> Maybe loop it a couple times, just to really... <laughs> yeah, so, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> 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 
song other than it helps us like look at how does let go fit into the larger yeah. thing how does matt yeah. fit and i think there's going to be an ongoing discussion about like matt songs and i really do kind of secretly like the idea of like ranking Matt songs uh, i think it'd be fun i mean because there's yeah. fewer songs of it you know right if and, you try to and, rank tim songs i mean that's like yeah exactly the whole, season. Like <laughs> the whole thing so um but i yeah like i i think overall i find the mood and the mode of most Matt songs to be a really nice change of pace and I like his lyrical topics and stuff and I really think it makes 2000 what it is but I also fully get that like you know you get to Devil's Brigade or his new like metal band and you're listening to it right, and you're like yeah. you're just like oh, man Come sorry on. I mean yeah. he's a guy who literally had like some sort of like lung cancer scare like like yeah. he's just rough on his 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 vocal cords and you know like he, but I do think there's such an interesting, the only other thing I'd say about Matt that I think we'll kind of uh, explore is like, I really like that there's three people singing in this band. You know, like I really, he does great on the gang vocals all the time. And the fact that the addition of Lars, you know, if nothing else, uh, Let's Go really shows that the addition of Lars of somebody who's got a really rough sound, but is really, really good at harmonies and big belting things. Plus these two very unique voices is yeah. part of what makes Rancid Rancid is like they finally locked it in of like okay we had these two very unique voices from the Op Ivy guys but like it was missing something and then right. you had Lars and it's like it kind of creates this nice counterpoint and without those three you know when you go see them do stuff on their own you're kind of missing the other two like there is this weird magic between these two very gnarled weird yeah. vocal styles and well, Lars is very like like still gnarly but very like musical vocal style well know? and i think and and talking about how it sort of sets rancid apart or makes rancid unique when you think of a lot of their contemporaries and you think of a lot of the like california punk stuff mm-hmm. from, it's all a lot of it's very nasally and like you know yeah. think going back to like no effects one of the reasons i never you know yeah it's and so they're all three of them like none of them sound anything like that ever yeah. And uh, I think that just, it kind of adds another layer to what makes, why Rancid and not somebody else. Yeah, exactly. I, a thing that I've been saying in my head that I haven't brought up yet is, why Rancid? Why not Swing and Utters, right? Like, that's another totally passable street punk band. Right. And I think one of them is, and you know, I, I liked some Swing and Utters songs, but like, I think a good reason is the, the range of sound you get because you have three singer-songwriters. You know what I mean? Like, there's something to be said for yeah. a truly ensemble yep. band that wor- has wor- shown to work over lots of records. Like that, it, I think of that as the Beatles and the Sonic Youth model, and that's pretty. Rancid is to- the Beatles of California punk. Rock. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in a way, let's go with it. Let's roll yeah. with it. You know, and I think, um, I think that's where longevity comes in, and I think that's where yeah. novelty comes in. And so, uh, yeah, I'm sure that wasn't the point, but they got there, and it's like right. And the second you had all three voices equally pushing really hard, both musically and actually lyrically, you get an alchemy of the wolves. Like, like I do think there is an alchemy here. So, 
uh, we'll continue to look at some Matt songs on and off. Yeah, but, uh, this you're, br- you're bringing episode. me around. You're bringing me around more on Matt. So this is um, well, um, mission accomplished. Then. Yeah, already. So, all right. Okay. Okay. What are you going to pick? All right. So it's our fifth episode. We haven't talked about Rancid Five, Rancid mm-hmm. Two Thousand, and we need to talk about Rancid. We need. I mean, that's. It's to me. It's become the most interesting Rancid album for a lot of reasons. So, I was telling Sam before we started recording, I hadn't actually decided which song I was going to pick. So I can't delay any longer. So I think we're going to talk about "Let Me Go." Ah, oh, god damn it, man! <laughs> you are like knocking down my sacred cows, like left and right, man. Uh, yeah. Well, see, I love it. No, I love it. I. I recently rebought the seven inch of this because oh I wow loved, I, uh, I loved it so much I forgot uh, I want to say much yeah this might be well I don't know, we'll talk <laughs> and, about it next week yeah you're not gonna and and once again you're not gonna have a whole lot of time to think about it so hey I guess I'm <laughs> doing you a favor it's good we're just yeah. yeah I love it so awesome. All right. Well, hey, everybody, thanks for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at RancidPod. Um, I think that's I, every time I do that, I'm like, what's the rest of the outro? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be it. So, uh, everybody, have a good week. And, Sam, I'll talk to you later. See ya. Later, man. Oh.